You are listening to the Religica Theo Lab podcast in the Center for Ecumenical and Interreligious Engagement at Seattle University. Mac Wilberg is a world-renowned composer and director who is most notably the head of the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. In this interview, he speaks about the intrinsic power of music and human beings draw toward it, no matter the genre. Music has always been very important to the Latter-day Saints. Okay. And in fact, we kind of trace that back to our early beginnings. But a good example of this is when the Mormon pioneers, and there were thousands of them that crossed the plains in what you would say rather dire circumstance. My understanding was that Brigham Young always made sure that there was a blacksmith in each company who could, of course, take care of repairing the wagon. Makes sense. He also required that there be a fiddler as part of each company because he knew that music played an important part in keeping the spirits of the people rejuvenated. Mm -hmm. And so even after they'd walked for many miles, they still would dance Mm -hmm. in the evening. Mm -hmm. And when Brigham Young arrived in Salt Lake Valley, only been there for a day or two, and he asked the choir be organized again to not only for the worship service, but to bolster the people. And so we trace the beginnings of the, of course, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir back to that time, although the tabernacle didn't exist until and was not completed until the late 1860s. However, the nucleus of the choir took place over 160 years ago. In 1847, this community spills out into the valley there around Salt Lake City. It's brought its music, its identity, both of which are inseparable, I would imagine. Yes, yes, I think so. And even, I think, listening to the choir today, there is this sense that we're taking part in a journey that dates back to those particular miles upon miles that were walked and traversed to get to that valley. Does it feel that way to you, that this is an opening to a journey for all of the listeners? Absolutely. We always say that we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. And I think in this particular case, knowing the history of the choir makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is something that you can identify about the sound of the Mm -hmm. Mormon Tabernacle Choir that has been a part of what the choir is for decades and decades. In a world that feels like we have less time for community and for appreciation across generations, here you have a choir where there's a cloud of witnesses over the last 140 years that still resonate inside the life of the choir in a cross-generational way. It just seems incredibly needed in a world. It is needed. And like us, there's nothing like, first of all, singing in a choir. Uh-huh. And then I think there's something that cannot replicate the sound of a beautiful choir. Mm. It transcends so much of what you said, confusion in our world. Uh-huh. And when you have a, a choir that is completely unified in terms of all those things that we consider to be fine choral singing, there's nothing that can quite equal it. And then 
one thing about the Tabernacle Choir that is unique is that we are so large. Mm-hmm. While there are many choirs that will gather for for one occasion, a, a festival choir that may have three or 400 people or choirs that may assemble for a particular event or commemoration where there might be hundreds and maybe even thousands of people. These are only for special occasions. The Tabernacle Choir, one of many things that makes the Tabernacle, Mormon Tabernacle Choir unique is the size. Mm-hmm. There's nothing, again, that can replicate the sound of a, a large, unified choir. As the conductor, what does it do to you when you hear the choir referred to as America's Choir? You can be flattered by that, but that I perhaps there are, there are many in the in the country who would say, "Well, wait a minute, we're all America's choir." Okay, and uh, I I think that perhaps one of the reasons why people have referred to the choir as America's choir is because the choir is not just sung for the trained musicians, mm-hmm. only those who enjoy choral music per se, mm-hmm. but our repertoire. And even in any given performance, we always say there's a little something for everyone. And you may not like something, but you may like what comes next. Mm-hmm. And so almost with any performance, whether it's a, a concert, a full evening concert, or our broadcast that we do every Sunday morning, mm-hmm. there'll usually be a hymn, there'll usually be a work by a master composer, then mm-hmm. there may be music that's more folk-like, and there may be something from what we would call inspirational popular music, whether it be Climb Every Mountain, The Impossible Dream. These are scores that people recognize. And then they recognize it from earlier on in their formative yes. growing up years. Yes, absolutely. What do you see as the capacity for a choir to be a messenger of goodwill in the world as the gift you're mentioning that transcends us all? Does a choir have that kind of capacity? I think the choir does because choir has an advantage over instrumental music in that it has text. Hmm. The combination of text and the notes and the rhythm itself, I believe, gives an added dimension to being able to communicate. You mentioned the 300 plus voices. I mean, this is a massive choir, and yet you could also say that a choir has a, a unified voice. It has a kind of collective voice that transcends the individuals, too. And we work very hard at that. I imagine. Because that, that does not come naturally. Yeah. Uh, because every voice has its own timbre. Mm-hmm. Some voices are brighter than others. Mm-hmm. Some voices are bigger than other voices, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And so you do have to work at that. The great choral conductor, Robert Shaw, always used to say that choral singing requires a bit of ethical behavior. Huh. And it's very, very true because... Most of the time, as a choral singer, you're singing around people that you don't know very well, and yet everybody has to come together and unify their effort. Part of the role of the conductor is to bring out the best and also to help others sense that maybe what they believe is their best isn't, and you can diminish a sound Absolutely. over here. That, that's what it's all about, yeah. really. Oftentimes, people will ask me, well, what's it like to conduct the Mormon Tabernacle Choir? And I think they're they're expecting my answer to be, oh, it's just glorious all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And I usually burst the bubble by saying, it's a lot of hard work. It does require a lot of discipline, not only from the choir members themselves, but from the conductor. As a conductor, you have to hear what the problems are 
you not only have to be able to hear it, but you also have to know how to solve the problem. People also arrive with their own anxieties, just like we see in all of our families, yes. all of our communities. Yes. Is there something about a choir and also your leadership as a conductor that really can be a healing property in a world that experiences anxieties today? That there's there's something about this kind of choir that allows us to work effectively even amidst those kinds of anxieties. Yes, I, I think that you can answer this two ways. First of all, those who are the actual participating in the choir. Mm -hmm. I've heard countless stories of people who have come to a rehearsal feeling like the world was collapsing yeah. on them. And yet after two and a half hours of rehearsal, they can leave mm -hmm. feeling like they're going to make it. Mm -hmm. I can say that personally myself, mm -hmm. having come into rehearsals where feeling, you know, not like I really wanted to be there, mm -hmm. but knowing that I had to be there. Mm -hmm. And just within minutes, I feel so much better. I start to ride on the energy of the moment, the energy of those who are in front of me, myself. Mm -hmm. And then for the world itself, I think that, again, we have countless letters from people who have listened to the choir, either in person over the airwaves who have written to say or have expressed to our faces what a difference it has made. What's the letter that stays with you? Well, we often recount the, the story of a, a young man who was considering taking his life and just happened to be scanning the channels and came upon the choir's broadcast and just listening to that broadcast helped him. And we hear this quite often. And in fact, I think that's really always in the back of my mind mm -hmm. for each performance is that it needs to inspire. I grew up in a very small town. My father was a coal miner. My mother was a school teacher. And I am very, very proud of my heritage. And, and I still consider that to be home, mm -hmm. even though I've lived various places. Mm -hmm. And in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking about those folks. And I figure if those wonderful people in my hometown can relate to what the choir is doing, then I think we have a good chance that others will as well. What is the power of music in the world supposed to be for us? I think that we come into this world with all sorts of senses. And I think a pretty heightened sensibility that we sometimes don't recognize is is music itself because you look at the world i mean you walk down the sidewalk of any city okay people have earphones yeah they're listening to music now it may not be the kind of music that i particularly like but i think people relate to rhythm uh -huh. others it may be the harmonic elements some the, the melodic elements but i really think that we we are born with an inner sense of what music is. Now, in my particular belief, I would say we brought it with us yeah. when we came. And it also, to me, it also says what music may be when we leave this world. Yeah. And we have accounts of people who supposedly have gone to the other side and come back, and they yeah. there are accounts that the music is indescribably yeah. beautiful. And so I, I see that as being something to look forward to. And so the power of music, I think, transcends us all. But I think everybody, most everyone, has this hankering for music. Often when we see people walking down the street <clears throat> with headphones on, we think, oh, that person's checked out. But your responses could be the other way. They're absolutely checked in. 
and they're allowing music to be a part of their everyday walk. Well, and if they're checked out, how are they checking out? Right. It's with music. It's right. And that may not be such a bad thing. That may not be that such could a be bad inspiring. Thing. No. You conduct the choir. It has an illustrious history of conductors, including remarkable guest conductors. How does it feel to be standing in the arc of this leadership? Well, if you really think about it, you can be overwhelmed. Mm. So I have done a lot of reading. I've done a lot of study of the history of the choir. And uh, I'm only the 15th conductor of the choir, by the way. In 140 years. Yes, yes. And so you can trace the various eras of the choir, I think, by the conductor's and several of the conductors had a, uh, a long tenure. One conductor was over 25 years. Another conductor, a recent conductor, Gerald Otley, was, was conductor of the choir, I believe, for 25 years. And so knowing your history is very, very important. Mm -hmm. And also not betraying your history is very, mm -hmm. very important. I think every conductor, of course, brings their own elements, whether it's the repertoire or the sound of the choir. The important thing is, is keeping your eye on the, the ultimate goal of the choir, remembering that we're standing on the shoulders of those who have come before us, and then forging ahead with what you feel might be important at that particular time. From the moment you begin your tenure with a choir to the moment you leave, the choir has evolved. It's the same, but it continues to change in sound in a way that's been directly influenced by its leadership. I think so. And everyone has their preference as to what a good choir should be. Right. And I, I have a colleague, in fact, uh, Craig Jessup, who was the previous conductor mm -hmm. of the choir, always said, and I always loved when he said, there are many roads to choral heaven. Huh. Because uh, there are certain people that think that only their aesthetic and their method is the true yeah. one. Yeah. And uh, it's really not the case. It's not, is it? It's not the case. Thankfully. And, yeah. Thankfully. Yeah. And so there are many roads to choral heaven. Yeah. And I do hope that when I'm no longer the conductor of the choir, I can look back and, and uh, feel like that we've continued to evolve and continue to improve, if you will. You can always improve. Absolutely. You can always improve. Yeah. Any performing artist who's worth anything will tell you that they've never totally arrived. Yeah. They're always trying to be even more perfect. This last point you're making, it's true in our individual lives, in our families, in our communities, and we're, isn't it? We're always capable of another level of excellence. And yes. As we, I don't think any, as soon as we feel like that we have arrived, mm -hmm. we probably have. There's one thing that I really actually, only one word that I would use, and that is discipline. Mm -hmm. And I say this a lot to the choir as well. And in terms of a musical ensemble, I say that a musical ensemble that doesn't have discipline isn't worth much. Mm. We work a lot on discipline, both in terms of not only the musical aspects, but per personal behavior, yeah. certainly within the rehearsal itself yeah. and being completely engaged in what we're doing. And we're a large group. And sometimes I think there have been studies that say the larger a group becomes, the less focus it is. Mm -hmm. And so we're always constantly talking about large group think, if you will, mm -hmm. and that you cannot, we cannot put ourselves into the large group thinking. Everyone has to take personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it makes a huge difference when you know that everyone is personally taking that responsibility. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes like night and day. Do the lights turn on and it just almost, becomes... Almost. It's just that it just everything becomes completely... Mm -hmm 
unified in, in every aspect. Mm. And I think in terms of our personal lives, I think if you're hoping to be a productive, contributing person to the world that you're in, I think it does require a bit of discipline and also ethical behavior again. Is it the case that when we're disciplined with each other, when we have 300 plus people and we're working on something together, it allows, to your point on ethical behavior, it allows these other values that we hold dear to just rise and percolate above the waterline. So values like courage, trusting one another, or other some such values. I think, I think you're absolutely right. Just to be a, a person who's engaged, I just finished a book recently, and, and one of the areas that it talked about, when all is said and done, it's about kindness, kindness, uh, kindness. Right. Yeah. I think being kind requires a certain kind of discipline. Right. I mean, there are those who pride themselves in, in that they always speak their mind. I don't think that that's a virtue. <laughs> I don't think that's a virtue at all. You have to be disciplined yeah. in what you say yeah. and how you express yourself. And kindness has a kind of clarity of your own voice where you're asking yourself about the needs of the other, kind of empathy That's toward right. the other. And I think when a person comes to the end of their life, and in this particular case I was just telling you about, it was a person who was really in the last days of their life, and they were telling their daughter, that this, it was a mother to her daughter, kindness, kindness. And so... When all is said and done, when we're all at that point in our lives, being able to say that we showed some kindness. Does the Mormon Tabernacle Choir have a role to play and helps envision a shared future? Yes. I think any choir, since we're talking about the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, I will say that the choir builds bridges and it brings inspiration. It brings hope. It brings comfort, we hope, to, to everyone. Mm -hmm. For the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, the history is inside the music, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Whether it be a hymn or a, a piece by a master composer, they all came about in a certain period and a certain environment. When the evening is done and the singers fall silent and you turn around and see this wave of humanity, do you think that they experience some connection? of gratitude or a connection to faith or a connection that's transformative? What do you think they experience and what is your hope for them? In our particular case, and, and as the conductor of the choir, it is a challenge, but it's a great challenge. I enjoy the challenge, but it is a challenge. And for instance, if someone comes to a, an actual concert of the Tabernacle Choir, whether it be at Christmas time or at any time of the year, it's just not a matter of singing one piece after another. Sing a song, applause. Sing a song, applause. And that's particularly a challenge for those of us who are choral musicians. A crescendo has a wave to it, doesn't it? There's a, it does. Is and there so a wave you're building? There, there, there has to be an ebb and a flow mm -hmm. to, to the way that the music is put together. And there always has to be what I call the golden mean, which mm -hmm. is, you know, that not halfway through the concert, but more towards the end of the concert where, or three-fourths of the way through the concert, where that, it hits its high point, if you will. Yeah. And, well, you would hope that anyone from any musical experience would walk away feeling uplifted or inspired. Mm -hmm. And so it is a challenge for, I think, for any musician and certainly for any musical ensemble to wrap their arms around a listener and pull them in yeah. to the experience. 
One thing I think any church choir has over many other choirs, and particularly in the case of the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, is that we're all unified by our particular spiritual goals and our particular spiritual outlook. And having experienced it many ways, I mean, that is, I see, a, a, a true advantage. You've been listening to the Religica Theolab podcast in the Center for Ecumenical and Interreligious Engagement at Seattle University. To learn more about the Center's work and for resources to be used in local communities, visit us at seattleu.edu slash the center.